that's pretty cool. Now that I have something that I feel like I can really work at. It helps a lot. I like the way that you break things down and make them understandable. Sick of sacrificing or settling in your romantic life? Welcome to Make Him Wonder with Coach Paula Grooms, where women struggling in real relationships ask the expert. Unscripted, unfiltered, understandable coaching conversations to help passionate women succeed in love. Hi there, and welcome to Make Him Wonder. I'm your host, Coach Paula, a dating and relationship coach, licensed social worker, and author of the book, Why Won't He Commit? How a Man Decides to Make You the One. My guest today is 40-year-old Sabine, who has been living with 38-year-old Mike for four years. Sabine states that she and Mike have been living their life as if they're already married. They own a house together, visit each other's families, have a very happy and positive relationship with great communication, and have very similar vocations and pursuits. They even have the exact same non-traditional diet. Sabine is seriously confused by Mike, however, who has given energy and effort into building a life with her, only to now state that she isn't the person he could see himself with decades into the future. Sabine wants to know if it's possible to bring back passion and have Mike pursue her again so that he can feel the spark he used to feel, and if she can direct this relationship into the full commitment she wants, even when living together and seeing each other daily. Welcome, Sabine. Thank you so much, Coach Paula. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Well, I'm, I'm glad you decided to do this because this is a very interesting question and a, a good topic for so many of our listeners who have been living with boyfriends. Tell me, how did you two get together? We met on the internet dating site eHarmony.com. And how did it um, kind of play out in terms of, you know, your first meeting and how did it go from there? So we both filled out the questionnaire and from my side, I was looking for an intentional relationship this time around. I had been recently divorced and wanted to do things differently. And he had just come off of kind of a spiritual journey where he found some new things about himself, quit the corporate job, moved away, sold everything, and he was re-emerging back into the real world, as he calls it, and he said he was looking for an intentional relationship as well. I had set my profile to anyone in the world because I had this vision of, you know, my person could be anywhere. I don't know where they live. And he actually did the same. So it turned out that we were not even living in the same city. So when we first matched on that site, I was in my home city, and he was actually in Italy visiting um, visiting his sister. She lives in Switzerland, but he was traveling around Europe, you know, just kind of seeing the sights. So we first connected via, you know, the direct messages and had, you know, maybe eight to ten exchanges back and forth before he asked me if it would be okay if he called me. And he said, I'd really like to talk to you in person, and if possible, I would love to do a FaceTime with you. 
To which I said, you know, that would be really nice. It, it seems like time to see each other face-to-face and have that type of an interaction. And it was instant chemistry. We found out we had so many things in common, such, such as we're both vegans. We both do not have children and do not want children. We're both entrepreneurs. I own multiple businesses, and he does as well. And we just had, we both have a spiritual connection in our lives. So there were so many things we were connecting on. We started FaceTiming each other daily and for very, very long sessions. You know, it could be anywhere from an hour to like six hours. And we would both say, oh my gosh, I can't believe how long it's been. All the time he was still off in Europe. We started talking about different topics, and it came up. He asked me, hey, where have you traveled, and where's your favorite place to travel? And I said, you know, Switzerland is my favorite country, and that's my absolute favorite place to travel to. And he said, no way. I'm in Switzerland right now. And I said, that's insane. That's not even possible. And he goes, my sister lives here. I'm hanging out with her. I've been here for like a month and a half and we'll be here for the next, you know, six weeks or so. And I said, that's so amazing. And we talked back and forth about Switzerland. Probably mm, three weeks into our talking, he started discussing how he really wants to meet me in person. And he said, you know, I would love to fly out to you when I get back to the mainland so we can actually properly see each other in person. And so that would be wonderful. I would love that. And as we kept talking and the days went on, he said, you know, I can't help but thinking what would make an amazing and special first time seeing each other was if we did this in Switzerland. And he goes, I know this is a big ask, and I know it's not really the traditional way to do things. I would prefer to come to you, and I still will. But if you're open to it, would you fly out to Switzerland? And I was like, wow. Part of me says yes, and part of me says no. I said, you know, we don't really know each other, but I also have a good feeling. I said, I need to think about it. So while I was thinking about it, he did things like send me his passport. He's like, I know this is probably really weird, but here's my passport. Do background checks on me. Send it to your family. He even asked for my sister's cell phone number. He's like, I'd love to meet, or not meet, but talk to your family on the phone, let them know a little bit about who I am, who my sister is, and and things like that. And I said, okay, that's really cool, actually. And I talked to my friends, and some said, do it, and some said, don't do it. And ultimately, I decided I'm going to go. So a couple more weeks passed as we were kind of planning this trip. And we talked about all kinds of things like, hey, what if we don't have a connection in person like we think? And we said, well, at least we know that we like each other enough to be friends and we'll just have an amazing road trip around Switzerland. So the time finally comes. I fly to Switzerland. I'm super nervous. I have no idea how this is going to go. And the very first time we see each other is in the Geneva airport like a movie. The doors open. He's standing right there. We lock eyes. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, you're real. And it was an instant connection. And we spent the next seven days moving throughout Switzerland and seeing some of my favorite places that I've been. And he took me to some of his favorite places that he's been. And it was just a really wonderful time. After the trip was over, I flew back to the city I was living in, 
and he was flying to the city where his family, his mom and sister live. He said, I'm going to be there for about two weeks. And I said, okay, great, you know, we'll just see where this goes. As he's, you know, down visiting mom and sister, we're still talking all the time. He booked a ticket and flew to see me after his trip with them was over. He stayed with me for about two weeks, and we had a lovely time, you know, again, just showing him where I live, taking him to my businesses, meeting some of my friends. And after that, he was flying to Hawaii, and he was doing some consulting in Hawaii. So he's like, I have a one-way ticket out to Hawaii, so I'm just, that's where I was planning on being for the next part of my life. I was like, okay, well, that's wonderful. I'm going on a trip with my girlfriends. I was going to, um, we were going to a different country. So I flew off to that trip. He flew off to Hawaii. And we had limited contact during that period because I was, didn't have a cell phone plan in that country. And the time zones were totally different. So that created kind of a longing within me, and I'm assuming within him, because when I got back to my city after that trip, he was like, would you please come visit me in Hawaii? I would love to host you here. And I said, you know what? Yes, I would love to. And so I fly off there for two weeks, have an amazing time. Um, you know, after that trip was over, he said, man, I don't know what's happening to me. I cannot stop thinking about you. I thought I was going to be spending now an indefinite amount of time in Hawaii. I was trying to get my life moved here. He goes, I would love to come back to you where you are because I know you have physical businesses that you can't leave. How do you feel about that? And I said, I would love that. And by this time, we're probably three months past the initial Switzerland encounter. So he says, okay, I need to wrap some things up here, but I'll be back to you in two weeks. So he comes to me on a one-way ticket, and I said, you are welcome to stay with me and, you know, let him move in, which I now know that was probably the wrong thing to do, but it felt right at the time. So he moved in. Um, we had another trip planned. He invited me to go spend time with his family for Christmas and New Year's and because they live in a different state and I agreed and so we spent two weeks with them did Christmas New Year's it was lovely flew back to my city started life he then had a snowboarding trip pre-booked and he's like I would love for you to come because I had mentioned I want to learn how to snowboard and he said I'd love to teach you if you want to come I already have everything booked you just need to come and it's all taken care of and I said okay great so I went. Um, luckily, both of us have jobs that are super flexible, so it worked out. So we went snowboarding for three weeks um, and then came back to, to where I live. And then, honestly, life was just kind of normal for the next, like, eight months. And at about the eight-month mark past, you know, all of this travel, he started asking me if I would ever consider moving to Hawaii. He said, you know, that's always kind of been my plan. I really want to move there. Um, I love what we're doing, and I would love for you to come. And I said, you know what? It's weird you say that. Years and years and years ago, I had a vision of myself living in Hawaii. 
I visited there. I actually tried to move here right out of college. It didn't work out. I said, I think I would be open. A lot of logistics we have to handle since I have businesses here. And But I went with it because it just felt right. And so we started planning what that would look like and took us, you know, several more months to actually create a concrete plan. And... We finally pulled the trigger. I owned my house there, so I sold my house. And it was luckily a really good time to do it. The housing market was up, and I made a pretty decent profit on it. So in true us fashion, we packed up all of our stuff, sent it on a shipping container to Hawaii, and we flew to Europe to do a trip before we moved all the way out to Hawaii. So we went back to Switzerland, revisited all the places that we first, you know, went to when I came there that very first time, and it was, like, just perfect. Then we flew to Hawaii and started looking for a place to live, and believe it or not, we decided, well, we don't have a house payment or rent, so this is, like, the best time ever to keep traveling. So we went to Australia, and we went there for, like, I think four weeks and just enjoyed everything about Australia. And then I finally said, okay, I have to get, like, my new career started because I was going back into a career that I used to do years ago. And I said, we have to go. And he's like, okay, that's probably fair enough. So we came back to Hawaii and started life. And I thought everything was settled in and normal, you know, just... We have great communication. We love being around each other. Everybody always says, you guys are like the perpetual honeymoon couple. I mean, everywhere we go, people would say, oh, my God, are you on your honeymoon? Because we're always kissing and hugging and affectionate. Um, And then, let's see, we had the pandemic stuff happen. And towards the end of the pandemic, when it was really, really, you know, locked down, we started talking about how we should move to a different island because, We were on Oahu, which is really, really busy, and we didn't have our own land and and things like that. So we started looking at the big island so we could buy something because we were renting. And we were like, okay, well, let's get a property that we can, like, grow our own food because we're vegan. We can grow all these fruit trees. And we started, like, idealizing the perfect, like, little homestead farm. And we'll have this, you know. In five years, think of how amazing it'll be when we cultivate all this food. So we've always been planning to the future together. So we did. We ended up pulling the trigger. We bought a property on the big island. We have an acre there, and we just kind of started living life there. And, again, I'm thinking, I'm in this perfect relationship. This is so amazing. I love my life. I'm so happy. Everything is as it is. Until... February of this year, which is around my birthday, I went back to my home city to visit friends and check on, you know, one of the businesses that I still had there and was gone for about a week and a half. And I came back and I just felt like something was different, something was off. I don't know. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I was like, oh, something's really weird here. Only later to find out, I found out through a way I'm not super proud of. This is something that I don't typically do, but I did look into his phone 
And I found this whole selection of emails with a matchmaking service. And I was, I, I was devastated. I couldn't believe it. I, I just, I didn't even have words to describe the feelings that were rushing through me. I found out that he paid somebody, this company, thousands of dollars to find him, quote, unquote, the perfect match, someone he could build a life with. And all I kept thinking was, what do you mean build a life? Like, we've built this incredible life. I, I don't understand what's going on. And I brought it to him, and I told him, you know, I'm not proud of how I found this information, but something was just telling me that something's wrong, and, and, and I was right. And he didn't deny it. He didn't yell at me. He looked at me and said, I'm so sorry. This wasn't supposed to happen this way. I didn't want to hurt you. I care about you so much. And I thought if I could hire a person to tell me if I'm in the right relationship or if there is a perfect one out there, then I could rest easier knowing I'm doing the right thing. And he had always told me that he didn't want to be married because he just didn't think it was necessary. He didn't need a piece of paper, you know, to say a relationship is great. And because I was divorced, I said, you know what, I don't think I need it either as long as we're committed to each other. And he said, absolutely. And so in that moment, I, I'm thinking I thought we were committed to each other because we bought this house. I moved away from everything I knew to do this life with you. You've never brought any of this up to me. Like, I'm so confused. I'm, I just started crying. Like, I, my whole world was devastated. And I said, what do you mean the perfect relationship? And he said, I don't know. He's like, I look at you. You're my family because you're a family member to me. So I'm so confused because I love every moment with you. But there's something missing. I don't know what it is. It's this, this spark or this magnetism that you're supposed to have with your romantic partner. And he goes, I just, I don't know if we have it. And I don't know if I, I want to live my entire life not having that, like, magnetic draw to my partner. And I just was, I said, well, what you did was terrible. And you didn't talk to me about it. And you hid this from me. I can't be here. So I packed a suitcase and I flew back to Oahu to stay with some friends. And I, like, I couldn't stop crying for days. Like, I, I couldn't even eat. I think I lost, like, 10 pounds. My whole life just disintegrated before my eyes. And so I stayed over there for, like I said, about a week Really didn't talk to him much. I didn't want to hear from him. I didn't care what he had to say. And finally, when I could think clearly, I agreed to talk to him. And he told me, you know, I don't necessarily want this to be over. I realized I did the wrong thing. It felt like the right thing because I didn't want to hurt you. I didn't want to bring you into this. I wanted to know so I could confidently say, I figured it out. I can move forward with you or I figured it out and I can't move forward with you. And I said, but you left me out of that whole process, and that's wrong. And he agreed, and he said, you know, I'd really like some time to be able to figure out if this is the relationship 
And I said, well, how do we do that? And he's like, I don't know. You know, maybe we can do some counseling or I could do some counseling because on paper everything is perfect and there's something inside of me that is just saying, but not forever. And so I agreed to work with him on that and give him that space. Um, and so I went back home and, you know, we kind of resumed our routine, although I felt very guarded now and less, you know, wanting to really be there with him. Um, and I told him, I said, well, I have a deadline for this. Um, so we were in February. I said, by our four-year anniversary, which is July, I need to know if you and I are moving forward with something that looks like some sort of a commitment. I don't care if it's marriage or some sort of commitment ceremony. I'm like, because I didn't think I need this, but the fact that you turned around and hired a matchmaker tells me I do need this, and now I, I, I deserve it. And he said, okay, yes, let's do that. So I left it alone for months and just tried to live my life with him, and we still love each other, have a great time, we're still, you know, being us, but I knew in the back of his head he's trying to figure out if he wants to truly be with me. So January, I'm sorry, uh, July comes, and I ask him, you know, well, here it is, we're supposed to talk about what we're doing, if we're moving forward, committed, or if we're not. And what he said was, I want to be with you. That I do know, so I want to move forward. So I said, okay, great, let's do that. Now, unfortunately, I hadn't found your teachings yet, and I thought, I thought that was the next step. And so I said, okay, let's move forward. And so we resumed life. Um, probably three weeks ago, he's talking about, you know, just some wealth preservation strategies and getting some new life insurance. And I just noticed his wording was me, my life insurance, I, what I need to do. I just asked, you know, I'm noticing a trend in your language. You keep saying me, I, mine. I haven't heard you say anything about we, and we're talking about, like, sums of money to help you have a financially secure future. I said, does that include me? And he got kind of quiet. And I said, how come my information isn't going alongside yours with all of this planning that you're doing? And he said, well, you know, I like to keep things just separate, you know, because you have your stuff and I have mine. I said, but I thought we were moving forward together and the goal was to start merging more and more of our lives and our things and and he was like, I don't, I don't know. And, you know, I just kept pushing. And he finally said, you know, I'm still not there. I still don't know if this is what, what I can do decades into the future. And, and from there I said, I can't believe we're back here to this spot. I thought July, you know, was the determining factor. And you were supposed to have done your counseling, your thinking, your therapy. I'm like, did you ever do any of it? And he said, no, I didn't. I said, you know what, forget it. I'm out. I can't sit here. You put me through hell, absolute hell, on my birthday for months, agonizing hell to stick through this and be there for you so you could figure out what you needed to find out, only to find out you didn't even do the work. I said, I, I can't. I don't want this. I don't want this for myself, and I deserve more. And I just kind of 
walked away and didn't talk to him about it anymore. And I just said, I'm just going to start doing my life. I have to figure out where am I going to live or where are you going to live or I don't even know. Everything we have is merged together, but I'm going to start making arrangements for my life because apparently yours doesn't include me. And I don't know when you were going to tell me that. And, you know, the next day he came over to me and he said, I'm still so torn. He said, I booked an appointment with a counselor or a therapist. I booked an appointment because something must be wrong with me because you are the perfect partner. And he had uh, one appointment with a psychologist, and I could overhear him because he was in the next room having it, and I was trying not to eavesdrop, but I couldn't help but hear. You know, they ask him, you know, tell me about your partner, and he would say things like, I love her, she's like family, She's the perfect person. She's caring. She's nurturing. She'll do anything for me. And yet I still can't find that lustful attraction that I'm used to feeling in my old relationship. And the therapist asked him, well, have you ever been married? And he said, no, you know, I've always just gone on this this fiery attraction, and it's fun, and I like it, and we don't have that. And that's kind of all I could hear. So I don't know how deep they went into it. He came out of that appointment. He goes, I don't know if I like that therapist, but he goes, I kind of want to interview another one. I'd like you to be involved. And I said, okay. So he interviewed another one, and I was on there. And same thing, I just let him do the talking. You know, the therapist was asking, tell me about your relationship. And he said, well, it's mostly perfect on paper. We have so much fun together. We love each other. You know, all the same stuff that I've been saying. And the therapist just said, why are you here then? And he said, because I don't know why I can't give her the commitment that she deserves. I don't know why I can't do it, and I think it must be something wrong with me. So I'm asking if you think I should do some individual therapy to figure out where my blocks are, because I'm very open to learning about this. So the therapist said, you know, that's a great start. You know, we can start with just you, and then we can bring her in later once it makes sense, if it makes sense, and you can hopefully get some clarity on if this is the relationship you want to be in or, you know, if you have some twisted perspective on what a relationship should be. So that's where we've left it. This is literally the last, that's the last I've heard of it. I don't know if he's booked a follow-up appointment, but... I'm just still sitting here. I feel like I've been in limbo since February, and I don't know what to do. Thank you so much for that. You just outlined your life for the last, what, four years? Yeah. How do you feel now in explaining it and going through it all? (sighs) That's a great question. Part of me feels silly, actually, in a way that I'm still here waiting for him to make up his mind. I feel like I don't even have a choice in the matter. Like, like it's his decision and he gets to decide if I'm a worthy partner. But at the same time, I love him. I love our life. I love the future that we had always talked about building. So I'm torn Part of me, the, the the old me would say, oh, this guy's not worth it. Can't believe he's dragging you through all this. you got to go. 
But at the same time, I've also never had someone that I connect with when when it's going amazingly because we don't have problems. We don't fight. We're very respectful. We're very caring. So I'm just sitting here in this complete state of, like, dissonance. I, I understand that. You say you found me, uh, my work, my book. What did you learn from that, and what made you contact my staff so that we would be doing this today? Well, I learned that, first I, I learned I've been doing things completely wrong because um, I didn't know any better. I learned that right now the prize in the relationship and not me, and I learned, I think I've learned that I've been leading perhaps from more of a masculine energy because I'm a very nurturing person. So I dote on him. I give him what he needs. I cook for him. And I love doing it. But I don't make him work for anything. And I realize that I'm probably mm, coming from the wrong energy, which is not inspiring him to do anything. When you say inspiring him to do anything, tell me more about that because I think that's going to help you. Okay. Well, he he doesn't really, at home, he doesn't have to try to get my affection. And, I feel, and not like I feel like he should have to try, but I'm always there. I'm always there to hug him, love on him. He doesn't have to get up off the couch. I come over and snuggle him. You know, I, he, I'm always saying, baby, can I, can I make you a coffee? I'm making one for myself. You know, he's kind of, in a way, like, catered to. And I, I love doing it because I'm a very caring person. And But at the same time, he's not ever having to... He's not compelled to necessarily do things for me because I'm already there doing it. So I just see that there's, I'm feeling like there's perhaps an imbalance and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of still chasing him within the relationship because I'm always, I want to make sure he's feeling loved. I want to make sure he's feeling cared for. What else can I do so you can see that I'm a great partner, especially now knowing that he's considering not having me as his partner. I felt like I need to do more. I need to show him even more. I need to care for him even more because clearly what I'm doing is not enough. And I think after reading and hearing the podcast episodes, I'm not creating any space, you know, with texting, if I'm on the other island for work, I'm constantly reaching out to him. Hey, baby, how's your day? How are things going? You know, do you have enough food? Did I leave you enough food in the fridge? Um, I'm not, I'm not leaving him any space. And at the same time, I don't know how to, especially when I live with him. I'm just, I don't even know how I can create a place for him to wonder about me when we live together. Got it. And you're on the right track. Because the first step in any journey is realizing where you are. 
and you just outlined a lot of not only where you are, but just in those last few sentences where you may have made some missteps. Yeah. Unfortunately, our missteps can be costly in this way, and this is why it's so great you are doing this today, because it is a cautionary tale for many, and I can help you um, take the next step on a new journey, so to speak. It can be with him, but it's probably going to look a little different than you thought it might. And the most important thing is that you will have to be different in order to create this new and different journey. So I'm going to outline for our listeners and so that you know from where I'm coming uh, where things kind of went awry and then we will set about talking about how you will correct this, reset things, and get back on the new path with him. Yeah, I would love that. I would love to hear what your perspective on this is. Great, and we will do that in a moment. So we're back with 40-year-old Sabine, who has been living with 38-year-old Mike for mm, the better part of four years. And... Sabine, I love how you outlined your relationship so clearly, so succinctly for us. Um, My heart goes out to you. Thank you. Absolutely. This is such a difficult thing to deal with. And it's hard to not, as a woman be angry at him for you. (laughs) Does that make sense? It does. It does. However, I'm not. And I don't want the listeners of this episode to be because this is no one's fault. The good news is there is something we can do about it. And I want to preface what I'm about to say with that that you have a lot more control here than you might think. Okay. It, it doesn't feel that way right now, but I'm, I'm ready to hear. Right. And we've got to get back this control or you will not have this relationship go the distance. So I'm going to give okay. you how I do that for my clients and what I would be telling anyone in your situation. Before that, I want to go back so that you and the listeners get a little bit of learning, connecting the dots, going backwards. We can never connect the dots looking forward. We can only connect the dots looking backward. And we can do this very easily in your situation. It's not unlike so, so, so many relationships. It sounds like you got started from eHarmony on a really great note. There was mutual interest and it was going along. However, and this is for those of you who are at the start 
of any relationship. I don't care if he's around the corner or, you know, halfway around the world. Things like we would spend hours on the phone. Mm, this may seem, in the moment, so fulfilling, so wonderful, but believe it or not, these types of interactions do not serve you. It's really hard to conceive of how this would have anything to do with where you are now. Quite frankly, there isn't a direct line correlation. Here's where we can make the correlation. If you as a woman do not, from the start, all your interactions must be intentional and you must be mindful of what you are doing. And when you are at every stage, you have a much, much better chance of going the distance and this type of thing not happening. For example, when you're first interacting with him and he wants so much of you and you're connecting and it's feeling so amazing, you actually have to thwart it and stop it. It's that old adage that people in show business use, uh, leave them wanting more. Mm-hmm. Always. In other words, many times we must, I would say more than many times, most all of the time, we must hold back. Now, when we do it in an 80-20 fashion, we will win, most generally speaking. It's why I have the 80-20 Wonder Club. Because when you become an 80-20 Wonder Woman, you're making them wonder 80% of the time. The 20% you do not and you get your connection needs filled, you will do yourself a favor. You will be okay. So right from the get-go, when I heard that, I knew I'm going to be going off track here. Next, let's look at your making the trip to Switzerland. I can hear so many of my listeners in their minds saying, oh my God, I can't believe she flew out and did that. You know, that was a misstep. All the rules girls are saying, absolutely, 100% not. And I'm going to tell you, that in and of itself was not the issue. I have some questions about it, and then I can tell you what I feel the issue is. So first and foremost, when you went... And I love the way you outlined it. It was like a, I think it's like Sleepless in Seattle when they meet. I think it's at the Empire State Building or something like that. But I could just picture you You said it so well. You know, you uh, get off the plane in Geneva and there he is. And it was instant connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I didn't even know that the doors would open into the baggage area where he would be. So it was this just moment of, oh my gosh, here we are. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it felt magical. Yes, and it can be. And it also can be magical on his part, given that 
You talk so much. He did all the things he needed to do to make you feel comfortable coming. Here are my questions. Did you get your own accommodations? No. Where did you stay? So we stayed at several Airbnbs, and we just stayed together. Mm, okay. So right from the start, that is a real and true misstep. And here's why. Many of you have heard me say this a lot, and it's one of my sayings. What you do with him, he thinks you do with all men. Mm. Couldn't be farther from the truth, but he thinks that. And here, even if he thinks you're not doing it with all men, you could because you did it with him. So at the baseline level of a male brain, it's this is a girl who will fly across the world not knowing me, not ever having met me, and immediately stay with me. And that in and of itself can be maddening that men think the way they do, but they do. And it's not even at a conscious level for males. This is Freud's Madonna-Whore dichotomy. We, they now have re-termed it. It was Freud's Madonna-Whore complex. And it's not that, Mike, um, on the scale of Madonna-Whore, we could look at this that it was understandable given all your connection previously. But just on a safety level, we would not do this because you never know really who that person is. Secondly, and most importantly, what we're showing him, I shouldn't say most importantly because your safety is always most important and paramount, but what we are showing the man is something that will not serve us. We know there is no such thing as Madonna whore. This is why it's so maddening. What I mean by that is that we, we are not either or. We are not all good or all bad. We are all and everything. We are the greatest Madonna, and with the right man, we can be that. Uh, somebody corrected me on the live the other day. Um, I couldn't think of the, the wording, and they said, yes, it's a lady on the streets and a freak in the sheets what every man desires. We're all of it. There is no such thing for us. It's simply in the male brain. It is, if you want to look at it, Darwinian. It is profound, and every man has it to one degree or another. And most in Judeo-Christian society and also um, more heavily religious and all over the world. It is foundational also in the male brain. Different cultures have it to an even greater degree socially. So we have to be aware of this. That was your misstep. Not in going. And I'd say that because I want everyone to hear that. You can go and visit a man to meet him, but you must absolutely make it known and stick by it that you will not be staying with him. That is so incredibly important. I don't care how much you trust and how much you want to. 
So I'm going to assume, Sabine, that you had sex with him as well on that trip. That's correct. Yes. And at what point did you? Um, maybe the second or third night. Okay. It, it was soon, yeah. I mean, the connection was there and we were feeling close. Right, and he sounds lovely and I completely understand. You see, it has to be intentional. And we have to make it in our mind, I so want to, I cannot. In other words, if you had, you know, fooled around a little, I mean, heavy petting with clothes, and you had a wonderful trip, and you had stayed in your own hotel room, oh my God, he would have been out of his mind, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. You would have been too, but the thing is, is that, this is setting the man up to see us as a woman like no other. Okay? So then you would go home. And he would be crazed. But you're showing him, I do not have sex with any man with whom I'm not going to be in a, in a committed, monogamous, exclusive relationship whereby it can be building towards being the one, being chosen. And that we have to do through our action, not via verbalization, although some things can be said and even must be said. So more on that. And, and you know, we talk about that here all the time on the podcast. And, you know, you can get those things in my YouTube videos and also on Instagram Lives, etc. So we're going to skip ahead now to moving with him without being married. There was nothing indicating that this would not go the distance because the relationship was wonderful, correct? Correct. However, what happens is that, again, the man knows you will be with him without being committed, without the safety and security, and again, not a conscious thing on his part, but a very deep reptilian-brained part of what Freud allowed us to know, the Madonna-Whore dichotomy. So here is where I come in to help women. And that is to understand that he must make a decision to quote-unquote, adopt you as the pretty puppy you are to take responsibility to and for you. And moving in together is never that for a man. This is mind-blowing to women in large part in our society now because moving in has become such of an, a, a norm. But for males... It's like us with adopting a puppy. We love them all. We would want them all, big, small, short, tall. It is only when we make a decision to adopt one that we take the responsibility for it, then we are responsible to it, and through doing that, we become bonded to the little thing. Or a big thing. doesn't matter. But that's how we bond. Correct? Yes, absolutely. 
And it is through that continued responsibility that it's inherent in us as humans. It's much, much, much harder to make any new decision to go against that. Even when, after we've adopted, think about this, after we've adopted a puppy, and, you know, it's all wonderful and good when they're real little ones, and then they start getting into the chewing stage and the, you know, equivalent of the terrible twos stage. And, and they, I, <laughs> I make a joke, they chew your Jimmy Chews. It's maddening. But just because you've adopted and taken it on and formally done so, you don't just throw in the towel. Most people yeah. do not. You just don't. But if you were just, say, fostering it, you know, you knew it could never be yours, or it was just, um, you know, you're taking it from a friend, and the friend said, you know, well, maybe you should take it or whatever, you wouldn't do it. But once you've taken on the responsibility, you see it through. And it's not unless it's absolutely untenable for a long period of time do you ever make a change. And some people never do. It could be a horrific pet, but because they bonded to it, they don't. So moving in with someone, a man, is never that. But see, we are different. We're the puppy in this scenario. We bond to everyone that we spend time and who we lick and let pet us <laughs> if we like them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're bonded. And this is the issue. So we go a little bit deeper through time. Now what I'm hearing is that you were not mindful because you just didn't know what you needed to know. You took on the role of wife and even wives cannot do this. We cannot be texting them, reaching out to them, mothering them, unless it is via sexy mother that you will learn about in my next book. And I talk about a lot. In other words, you must not be mothering the man to any, really, to much of a degree at all. 80-20 stretching it. But even 20% of the time, if you're doing that, you're on the wrong track. But all love, romantic love, if not fed in the right way, mindfully, and this is our duty, unfortunately, we're female, we have to take this on. But if we do not stoke the fires of romantic love, that love will become one of the three types of love. And there are only three. Friendship love, romantic love, familial love. If we do not stoke the fires of the romantic love, it will become familial love. And this is what has happened. He loves you. You know that. And that's what's so uh, messing with your mind. Because you know he loves you. And he knows he loves you. But it's familial love now. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? 
Yeah, it does. And looking back with hindsight, I can see exactly how that has come about. My caring and nurturing nature superseded the kind of push-pull passion that we had in, in the beginning. And my question is, is it possible to reverse that and get out of familial love? Yes, that's the good news. So mm -hmm. I, want, I want you to hear that good news again. Yes, it is absolutely possible. I help women do it every day. It is very simple in how you do it. But I'm also going to tell you, it could not be harder. So that may seem oxymoronic. How can it be simple and hard? Yeah. It is so simple on paper. This is my lure him in and lure him back approach. Nothing works like this with men. I work with women in this every single day. The, the beauty is that women are astounded to how it works, the degree that it does. They're astounded that it works at all, and when it does, they are so amazed and thrilled. But it is very difficult because anything truly worthwhile usually is. But I have to say that, first and foremost, the commitment on your part has to be there absolutely 100%. I know of no other way to do it, and I've actually seen the fruits of the labor of the women who do do it. But the commitment has to be ironclad because any veering from it does not get you what you want. So before we get into it, do you have any questions about anything along if you're thinking about the past? Anything before we get into what I just said? Not so much questions, but more I'm really frustrated for not having this knowledge four years ago. I, I didn't even know the rules book existed. I didn't know about you and I had no guidance and was just going off of pure feeling and emotion and you know it's, I'm just more frustrated to see that there was there could have been an approach that would have saved me all of this um, heartache and wondering on my part. So I'm just grateful to have the knowledge now so I can turn it around um, and have some more control and say in how this relationship moves forward. I feel for you because um, it, I don't think there's a woman out there that hasn't been in this position to one degree or another. You know, we don't know what we don't know. When we know more, we do more. When we know differently, we do differently. All of that, right? You just didn't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I hope you will, right here and now, just say, okay, I'm not looking back. We've had a wonderful relationship, and he does love me to his core. He loves me for really for who I am. It's not just infatuation. He actually loves you as, like, family and friend we can get the romance back and you must know that you can 
And with the combination of three things, I believe, and I've seen it so, so many times, it will work and you will have what you want. The three things are simple. You must do the approach that we know works like no other with men. That's what I will outline for you. Second, you must set your mind to it whereby nothing is going to stop you from getting it. This is done through manifesting, if you believe in manifesting. I work under that umbrella. Some people, it's through, you know, manifesting basically has all manner of different, um, different philosophies coming into it. Uh, like, for example, manifesting, people have taken and made into things like the book Power of Positive Thinking and uh, mindset work and all matter, but basically it's all the same tenant. And that, uh, I work under the Neville Goddard method of manifesting, which I believe is uh, so, so powerful. And then the third is that you must do it until I can't tell you how many um, times I have seen uh, women give up and give in too soon because they they feel there's an urgency to it and that is because they're not living in the manifesting state of I have it and I'm going to have it when you know you have something and you're going to have it meaning you have it now you're going to have it in the future you get rid of the urgency to have it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I'm a big believer in manifesting, and that's actually how I created this relationship, believe it or not, four years ago. I had intentionally written down everything I would want in a relationship, in a person, and like three months later, eHarmony Match showed up. So I love that. I'm so on board with it. So right after we come back, I'm going to outline exactly what you do next and the approach I would recommend for you and I would take with you. And I am really excited to tell you about that. Let's do that in a moment. So Sabine, I hope you were getting excited during the break because you are going to need to have a very clear, excited mindset in order to do this. Because as I said, while simple, very difficult to do. So how I'm going to explain this is that you must know how things feel and work for men in order to do this approach. And unfortunately, doing it now, you'll be coming to it a little bit late. However, I have seen that, and I would say almost never is it too late. Would it have been better to do when you first discovered uh, that he had gone to the matchmaker? Absolutely. 100%. No question. But we are where we are, and I still know that if you institute this now, you can have it. So are you ready? I am very ready, very curious. What do you think I'm going to say? Mm, I think you're going to tell me I have to do no contact 
you're on the right track. Okay. But it's how you do it. And how would you do it, uh, given that you are living with him? And that is exactly the question that I have, is how, how does that work when we share a home and even, you know, at times work together? All right, let's, let's uh, look at that. When you say share a home, is this a home you purchased together? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. And you're hearing me because that does make it, it, it makes it seriously difficult to one degree. And please, ladies, again, you're not married. That means you do not have a legal contract. You're living with someone. You, you must make that contract initially for yourself so that you don't find yourself in a very bad position. Sabine, is this home paid for? No, we, we you know, have a mortgage on it. We both are on title and we both have protection. So, you know, if one person dies, the whole home goes to the other person. So both of us are required to sign if any decisions are made about the home. Mm-hmm. And I, the thing that's so frustrating is, you know, we had talked about how we weren't going to get married. So, you know, he said, I don't want that. And I said, I don't need that. So we just kept doing life. Oh, well, this is the next step. This makes logical sense. This is a great investment. You know, we should do this. So I didn't hesitate to do it because I never thought marriage would be something we were going to do. So I know differently now. Because you see, as a woman, you don't need it. We bond from our feelings, time, and sex. And Mm -hmm. that can be... uh, You see, we're normally... If the sex is good, we like him, and we spend time with him because we like him. We're bonded. There's no thought about it. You don't have to think about anything. No piece of paper, no contract does it, correct? Correct. But it's the puppy principle at work. You have to take on the responsibility to and for the puppy by adopting it in order to bond with it. Otherwise, when it poops on the floor, you don't really feel like doing it anymore. You want maybe to go and find another puppy. You will, you see. It's hard for us to even think about that many times as females because we don't typically work like that. It's very hard for women to understand that the only time a man bonds to one woman is through making a formal commitment. Now, here's the other thing. We see in our society, here and there, men who appear to be doing it in living together situations. But I dare say, how many people do you know that maybe have been married for, say, 30, 40 years? Your parents, maybe your grandparents, even longer. Do you know any that have? I do, yes. Okay. Do you know any people that have been living together that long? Uh, 
No, not as many. Maybe not even any. Right. And I dare say most people you will ask, the answer will be the same. And there's a reason for that. Because you see, the man never made the decision. Women live via their emotions. Men live via their decisions. And I'm talking about in the emotional realm of things. In other words, we can do that in business, in other things in life. We live by our decisions. But in personal areas, we live via our emotions. Men live via their decisions. We must then get the man to make the decision or we have to make our way out of there. So, you have this situation now, but you must do it in a way that is profound and non-negotiable. Okay. And this is a strategy that actually starts him on the path to feel romantic for you again. And this is what is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. And if I were talking to a man who wants a woman back, I would never be giving him this strategy. It would be completely the opposite. Just know that, okay? Okay. It only works for women doing it with men. This is the way you get him to start feeling for you. And it's a process. He has to go through different stages of feeling. Okay? Okay. So, it would go something like this. And I'm, like, giving away the, the store here. If only it were that simple. <laughs> yeah. You must do all your due diligence and get your ducks in a row of what you are going to need him to do and that you will do. Allah, mm, okay, I need to stay in this house and he needs to move out. Or, I'm going to move out and he needs to stay. Do you know what that would be if you had to do it? Yes, I mean... I, we do have a second, we have a condo over on Oahu because I work on both islands. So I do have access to another place to go if that's the direction that it needs to be. Got it. Perfect. Okay. So you would write out a note to him. And this is not pouring your heart out. This is not chastising him. This is a fairly unemotional note that states that you have come to a decision. You hear that I'm utilizing how men relate? Yes. Okay. This is what makes you then a worthy opponent in the man's eyes. And if you've heard any of my podcast episodes, you know the worthy opponent strategy. And you know why being a worthy opponent is what you must be with any man. Everything you need to know about the male mind 
you can know from sports. Sports come from the male mind. Because what are sports about? They're about my three C's of men. Where did I get the three C's of men? Pretty much it's circular from sports. In other words, <laughs> right? men are all about challenge, competition, conquering. We, our three C's, were about uh, connection, cooperation, communicating. Very different, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, uh, uh, caretaking. Um, communication can be in there, but the main three C's are cooperation, caretaking. So you must be, I always use the two, uh, Steph Curry and LeBron James. When one of them plays a B-league player or a non-professional player one-on-one -on -one and they win, do they care? Does it mean very much to them? No. Right. They want to play each other and win. Mm -hmm. Men are like this in whatever they do. And the the male-female version of worthy opponent is us making decisions about ourselves in the way that they do. You see, classic thing is he went about making decisions for himself like vis-a-vis -vis insurance or what have you. You even picked up on it. He started saying, I, 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 right? Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. And this is what you are going to do. And here's how it works. You will set this in motion. You will have it ready. In my program, I actually give women a, a template note, and we work on the note together so it's perfect in how it is worded, so it is not too emotional, so there is no hint of blaming him. And here's why you will not blame him, Sabine, is that now you know that there was a few missteps that if you had known and the little things that you would have done and just tweaked might have kept those flames of fire for him, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So you're not going to blame him because now you're going to do that. And unfortunately, it is our role. You know, we, we can get as angry about it, the unfairness, but it just is. If we want the relationships with men, we just have to know that that's what it is. Mm -hmm. We cannot change it any more than we can change that a man is going to look at other women, want to have sex with other women, be with other women, and if he has not made that decision and taken on the responsibility, he will feel the way that he does. And the same thing, we cannot change, that we, when we like him enough, we have sex, we spend time, we will be committed and bonded. It's just the birds and the bees. It's nature. It's how it works. Mm -hmm. And it's meant to work that way because still we are a human animal at the core of it. And we are meant to bond to that male in that way because he is to be our provider and protector, meaning in the wild, he is to go out and get us 
and either the fetus that we're carrying or the child that we have or sometimes both at the same time children we have and one in the oven he's meant to do that for us and that's why we bond to him just like the puppy bonds to us because we feed it nature okay yes yeah so now you're gonna do this you have your place to go you're going to very unemotionally calmly that you have made a decision this decision will include this note that says what you're going to do what you will need him to do to kind of it's just almost like I'm going to move to such and such I expect that my lawyer will work it out so that it's it's like a divorce okay because you got to get the house yeah right now again you will set these things in motion but you're gonna know it's never going to come to pass because you're gonna be back in that house together okay right but you got to set it in motion and it's got to be you, you it's it's like it's an interesting thing because while you have to do this and do it fully and know that it could happen you're gonna manifest what you really want okay you have to know yeah. part of this is that he will conform to your manifestation because you are doing what you need to do to incite his desire once again and here's the thing it has to anything in order to truly fix something fully fix it repair it it must be broken right yes um, we've all had something that we really want and it, it breaks so we like put tape on it we try to do something it's working for a while you know um, we used to do this all the time years ago with like uh, electronic things like radios or TVs you know you bang on them or you um, the old TVs with the you know watching older people like with the antennas and the coat hangers and we make do but in, when it finally it really needs to break and then you set about the new wonderful thing okay and this is yeah. how you have to think yeah. about it the no contact is the most vital piece of it because he must know that he will never have access to this puppy that he loves again and not only will he not have access forever in his life that the pretty puppy he wants may go with somebody else you see mm -hmm. challenge yeah. competition now you don't set about trying to do that that's not the point the point is you are cutting him off you are making that decision nothing is more powerful to the man to get him to start to feel what he needs to feel so what questions do you have for me well, I hate that I have to do this. I know it's, you know, if I want to truly have this, it's going to have to happen. How do you even do this when we've kind of, I mean, we're, we're happy. We, we're not in a state of conflict right now other than him going to therapy to figure out his, as he says it, I have to figure out what's going on in my head. 
I feel like I'm going to be abandoning him or he's going to feel like, wow, she's just just like that out of nowhere. It's going to feel like everything is perfect. I feel like I'm going to, I think I'm having a realization. I'm going to make him feel how he made me feel when he called the matchmaker out of nowhere. Just what the heck? Mm -hmm. I thought we were working on this. You know, he's going to say, I thought we were working on this. I thought we had communication. I thought we had a plan. What was this all about? Perfect. Couldn't be a better time then. Because doing it out of anger doesn't, that's not where the opponent stuff. Mm. Not at all. It's doing it because you make a decision. Here's how, what it would look right. like. So you set about knowing, you know, how you're going to do it. And then the letter is something like, Mike, I've been doing a lot of soul searching. I've also gone to a, you can, you can um, be kind of truthful about it. I've gone to a social worker and really thought about this and have decided that the what has happened since when was this when did he first when did you first find out about the matchmaker again like how many months ago yeah okay so it would be something like the last six months have it's fair to say have turned my world upside down and I finally righted myself. I'm no longer a tilt, <laughs> and I know what mm-hmm. it is that I need to do for me. And that is that I must say goodbye here and now. I am going to, and then you outline, go to the condo. I'm going to move to the condo. I will be doing that um, in the next week or so and I trust that through and if you have a lawyer or something of the sort I trust that through uh, you know you can say who the lawyer is through Dan will be able to work out the particulars on either one of us keeping the home completely selling it and splitting the profit however you want to say that mm-hmm. we have had a a wonderful four years and I'm going to choose to remember our relationship up until and then you put that date that you discovered it I'm going to choose to remember our relationship from then you put like when you met that first time getting off the plane in Geneva until February or whatever month it was okay okay I know that we both have bright futures ahead that this is not about lack of of love but I truly want the uh, however you would want to word it I truly want the the dream or a, a, a completely committed romantic partner and that's what I'm going to have in my life I know you will understand that it will serve no purpose for us to be in contact. I do wish you all the best in life and love. And you sign it. Then, what is best to do, if you can, is to have everything ready to move out just before you give him the letter. So, in other words, like it, this has to come as a complete shock 
just as it came as a complete and utter devastating shock to you to find out he did what he did behind your back. Think about it. Yeah. He went looking while you were away. He contacted for somebody to find his perfect person, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This move of yours is worthy opponent, and it is a must, because when he comes back, he will never forget this, and he will never do it again. Now, I bet you're thinking, oh, yeah, but maybe he will go off and find that other person. Did that thought cross your mind? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking he's going to go call up his matchmaker friend, or who, not friend, but whoever he hired to, because I made him cancel. I told him if I was going to stick around and work through it with him, he had to cancel his whatever he paid for. And I feel like he's probably just going to start that again then. I don't know. But do you see when you say, I told him to do this and work through it, there is no working through this. Right. That doesn't inspire his desire for you again. That's Telling him point. not to do something that he wanted to do, no, doesn't work. I wish it did. If mm -hmm. it did, many couples would yeah. be together, right? But think about Absolutely. it. If you no longer wanted him that way, would him telling you we're going to work through it? No. It's not a work through something. We don't change our feelings like that. This isn't a relationship issue. We cannot solve it with what we would do if it were a relationship issue. In other words, you guys can't make decisions together on major purchases. <laughs> you can't, you know, I don't know things that happen in relationships. But people come to me all the time with stuff about, you know, we no longer have the lust and we're great partners. We have a wonderful relationship and we no longer have the sex. I mean, people coming, you know, after years of marriage or what have you. Same thing. They fell into familial love, right? Right. They want to go to a counselor to fix it. You know what I tell them? Hmm. Take all that money you'd spend on a counselor and whatever you have in your savings, if you have to, you book the most romantic spot away from everything for a minimum of two weeks. And you go, I hope it's Bora Bora, Fiji, Tahiti, Hawaii, <laughs> but <laughs> wherever. And you set about re-sparking your sexual relationship. You don't have, you're not going to solve the sexual problems by going to and talking about relationship issues that you don't have. Right. Okay? Now, unfortunately, yeah. you're not, this is not about that because are you still having sex? Yes, and it's still fantastic. Yeah, uh-huh. You see, it's not about that. Mm. It's that he yep. does not, you do not inspire him anymore. And if you stay, it's going to denigrate even more. Mm -hmm. This is why you do it, because it is a wake-up call to him. Now, I'm not saying that some of what your fears may not come true initially. Initially. And here's what happens. 
the first thing he feels is a combination of regret, remorse, and relief. That's so harsh to hear, correct? Uh, absolutely harsh. <laughs> harsh. But I, I'm not here to make you feel better. I'm here to get you what you want, okay? Yeah. Because ultimately that's going to be good for you and good for him. Because you have the love. You have the history. Here's what's going to happen. He feels regret. He feels remorse. But he feels relieved. Oh, my God. Finally. And then he's going to go and set about maybe doing what he was doing in terms of maybe he'll go to that matchmaker. Do you really believe there's somebody out there better for him? No, and I don't at all. Good. Well, and you shouldn't. Silly. What's right. that? I said I thought the whole thing was silly when I found out. Well, it's not silly. It's very disconcerting and awful. Yeah. yeah but there, yes, yes, is, there is no one better. But you have to be the whole package again. And you will be. But it's got to be uh, severed so that he can set about having to pursue you again. Because through that pursuit, he will feel it again. And you're going to have to do this hard because you're going to have to sustain him trying to get your attention and not doing no contact. And you must make no contact happen so that he goes through the steps and the feelings he must feel. He may go out with some other woman and maybe he'll even have sex and he'll be all high for a moment and then he's going to discover it's not you. It's not the wonderfulness of you, the closeness, the connection, the all and everything you shared Yep, that may have to happen. You know, it's funny because we think that that's the main thing for the man. It's not that. And I don't know this will even do that. He may go on a date and, you know, she's vapid or whatever and doesn't have your everything that you know about him and share and the, the worldliness you have about you and, and the business stuff together and all of it. And he may be like, what am I doing? He needs to feel that, you see? And this is the only yeah, way. And nothing works better than this. When you do it and you do it hard, it's amazing. It's amazing how they come back and they're begging and I suppose if he doesn't come back, then that's my answer, too. Well, this is true, but I don't even think you have to to worry about that. And what you want to do is you want to manifest and live in the state that you know this works and this is happening. And that is as profound as what you do. Yeah. It truly is. Because you must really know that what you are doing is working. He needs to feel this. He needs to know once and for all. What's really ironic about this is I'm hearing that he's out there looking for this one, right? And she's right in front of him. Yep, I know. Mm -hmm. But you're going you're gonna to be that and you're going to give it to him. 
we always have to do it in this roundabout way with a man. And it works like nothing else. And you can do this. But you have to do the work of it. You have to transform into that worthy opponent. You have to uh, really understand each step of the way, what you must do. Each week when I'm working with someone, it's about what you don't do almost more than what you're doing. Because it is, think about, it's, it's, you must, you know, it's kind of that thing about you have to, you have to run away so you can be caught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like that almost. And I know you can do this. I know I can too. I just hate that I have to. <laughs> but yes, I mean, I'm totally in agreement with you. Yeah, I'm glad you are because um, you will see. And by, I would say, you know, if I said to you, by next year, this time, he will be coming back. He will be back perhaps fully. Would that year have been worth it? Yes. It would be hard and difficult, but I do feel it would be worth it. Mm-hmm. Because anything truly worthwhile and what you know is rightfully yours is worth that effort. And like you said, on the flip side, I don't tend to think about it because it I'm going to be honest with you. Every woman that I have ever worked with, he has come back. And I mean three years. Wow. He comes back. I mean, I can't think of one case I have ever had where he is not. Now, does that mean he's gone the distance and the couple has gone the distance? Here's what typically happens. One of two things. Finally, he comes back, and she does it in the steps and the no contact. And Because people always ask me, well, when can you break no contact? Because he keeps coming back. He keeps coming back. That's a big thing that we work on because missteps can happen, and you break it too soon, and you thwart what he needs to feel next. But I've never had it where he doesn't come back. I have had it whereby the woman says, oh, my gosh, I no longer want it. That's, wow. Yeah, that's one scenario. Because she's transformed through right. the work of this, right? So that can happen. The second is that um, he's come back and she's accepted it too soon and then it falls apart. Or it simply was not what both thought and they really did come to both deciding not it. And I've had men come back as soon as 24 hours with a ring and as long as, you know, six months to a year. Well, this all does make me feel so much better to know that there's a plan and there's a tremendous amount of success with sticking to the plan to get a desired outcome, which I'm 100% willing to do. Because I don't want to live like this. I don't want to live feeling like this. I don't want to live in limbo and always wondering when's the next time he's going to have these thoughts and go try to find something else because he's not sure. Yes, that's, you know, well said. Very, very well said. Yeah, exactly. That's why you must. You don't deserve to have any doubts. Mm-hmm. And when you do this, and when you become this Wonder Woman, you will have none. So I I really thank you for doing this today. We can talk off the air more. 
Um, but I think it was very well outlined. I'm so, uh, so uh, really feeling empowered by you. I know you can do this. And it, it will be a, a, a very interesting journey, but you will come out ahead of it. You will have what you want, and you will absolutely know, and you'll have it for a lifetime. And that's what's really important, not only for you, but I want that for him too. I agree. I agree. Thank you so much for having me and talking through this and, and actually giving me concrete hope, you know, everything else before has just been what if, and I do feel like there is a path forward and there is hope, and I don't have to feel like this anymore. I'm, I'm really glad. Thank you again. I really love how Sabine got this. She's so ready, and there is a real openness to her. And, you know, I always say that whoever is listening to me, it's really just the truth in me speaking to the truth in them. This will be the hardest thing any woman ever does. But anything truly worthwhile is challenging and most times difficult. So worthwhile. I know that if Sabine does this, she will not only make her life happy, healthy, filled with emotional wealth and well-being, but she will also be giving that to Mike. That's what he desires. The love is there. The companionship, love, the familial love, it's all there. And because that romantic love was once there, it can be resparked. I have no doubt about that. However, it must be severed to restart it for the man. And the man thinking that he cannot have it back. It is the challenge of that that will actually get him into his deeper feelings. It will get him beyond the remorse, regret, and relief. And then he will set about really thinking more deeply about his life, what he wants, what he's missing out on. And even if he goes forward and does some dating, what have you, they will not be Sabine. He will miss that connection. You have to trust your love and connection. You have to know it. I believe Sabine does, or she wouldn't be understanding what I'm saying. If you are in a predicament like this, I hope you will have really taken the time to listen deeply to this and know that you can have what it is that you want if you do the difficult thing that it will take. And as I said, never not had it work. 
It's the willingness to do it until. You know, that's with any goal. We don't give up. We do it until. And when we know the right of the right path to take, have a plan, know the steps, know the why of it working, we can feel more relaxed in a great state of knowing that we can have what we want. That's what I'm all about. I hope that if you do have questions, you will reach out to me about it. Come on this podcast. We can always talk about your particular situation. I hope it was useful for you to hear just the little missteps, but they are most indicative of the state of the woman that is continued through time, and that is where the problem lies. It's not the particular missteps, it's the the state that we are living in of the pleasing and um, sometimes being overly uh, caring or catering to the man and not uh, showing that our well-being in terms of safety and knowing trusting all of that, that that is first and foremost. That makes us a valuable, worthy opponent. We'll do more always on these episodes about being a worthy opponent. And you know that being a worthy opponent always starts with making him wonder.